Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cigar Store Idiots. I'm Rob. I'm Tyler. How's it going? Good, man. How are you doing tonight? Can't complain. And Andrew is on some beach somewhere. It's probably five o'clock. He's Toes in the water. <laughs> his ass is in the sand. Not a worry in the world. With a cold beer in his hand. So, Andrew, have a good time on your beach trip, man. We'll see you when you get back. Uh, real quick, I just want to go ahead and... Uh, to make it to recognize our folks uh, listen to us in other countries, I think it's really cool. I look at this thing and it gets me. It get, it's just kind of blows my mind. So, thank you for listening, everybody in Ireland, Mexico, Germany, Singapore, Belgium, France, Greece, Sweden, and Brazil, and now uh, the folks down under in Australia and the mighty mighty UK, the United Kingdom. Thank you guys for listening to us, and I hope you enjoyed as much as we do uh, getting to do this uh, every week. So, thank you for listening. Um, another thing I want to tell you guys, the website is up. The merchandise is on there. Go shop at www.cigarstoreidiot.com. We've got our t-shirts in, our baseball tees, our hoodies are in. Got a couple of different styles of hoodies, um, you know, camo green and gray. Um, also get you a decal, stick it somewhere, represent, be a part of the cult. We'd love to, we'd love to see uh, some of you guys leaving uh, some pictures on our social media, wearing our, our gear. It's pretty awesome. Pick up some baseball tees as well. Yeah, the baseball tees are pretty nice. We just got some black and red ones in. Yeah, black. Yeah, the black. Have some porky pig, <laughs> red sleeves with a black body. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just go again www.cigarstoreidiot.com and take a look at our merchandise. So uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Tyler, the Braves are two and zero against the mighty Dodgers. And they are. And uh, I couldn't be happier about it. They're keeping me awake at night. Give me a little anxiety. Last night I thought they were going to blow the lead, but they pulled it off. Uh, two more wins before we send those guys packing, and we head to the World Series. And I feel good about it. Really? Well, I know you're excited about it. Maybe one day I'll get to see the Braves win it all in my lifetime. Yeah, you may get one shot at getting to see it uh, once in your lifetime. So uh, enjoy the ride while it's going down. we Will do. Okay, so we did the 27 Club a couple of episodes ago, and I got off on a tangent about Johnny Cash because everybody knows I love Johnny Cash. Tyler's a big Johnny Cash fan. Uh, and we had a couple of people saying, man, you just you guys just need to do an episode on Johnny Cash. So tonight, that's what we're doing. We hope we do it justice. We're talking about the man in black. We're talking about Johnny Cash. And Johnny Cash uh, was a great singer, songwriter, guitarist, and his music pretty much innovated uh it was an innovative style of music it mixed country rock blues and gospel all together uh and he was so damn good at it that he's in the rock and roll hall of fame the country music hall of fame and the gospel gospel music hall of fame so yeah knocked out three of them yeah three of the majors so uh again he's just an, an incredible an incredible performer a credible incredible human being um a patriot uh movie star guy wrote books he wrote best-selling books veteran a vet well he wasn't no he wasn't he won a nobel peace prize um you know and he was a big advocate for uh you know the vietnam war uh and he he talked uh you know a big advocate for uh, native americans rights and uh, of course he's a very spiritual man but he had a lot of uh there's a lot of darkness in him there was a had a lot to say about that ragged old flag yeah he did that's one of my favorites so but uh you know johnny 
also, you know, everybody knew him as Johnny Cash, but he had a dark side, and he was that was Cash, and he he, uh, he he battled a lot of demons, and so, and then he overcame them and and got his life on track, and uh, just a pretty great story, um, and and we're just gonna we're gonna start off where, you know, Johnny had grew up uh, poor farming community, uh, his family he was the son of uh, poor Southern Baptist sharecroppers, um, he was born in 1932 in Kingsland, Arkansas. Uh, you know, he had a pretty big family. They lived in a five-room house and farmed every day, day in, day out, on about a 20-acre cotton farm. And when cotton wasn't growing, whatever seasonal crop was growing, that's what they were doing. So they were growing cotton uh, and whatever else would grow year-round just to make me, you know, like cash crops. Yeah, cash crops. Whatever was selling. Exactly. So, um, you know, he spent uh, most of his first 15 years were spent in the field breaking his back beside his parents and his other siblings um farming so that was that was what they did day in and day out and life was hard uh and then they used music as ways and means to escape yeah uh, uh, some of the hardships um you know and he he was kind of surrounded by his mother Uh, she was always singing you know the folk songs or the hymn ballads and gospel just exposed to loads of music at a young age yeah and they were singing you know music of the people working in the fields and so yeah. all that kind of culminated together and i think singing the blues that's what he carried and a little bit of tragedy uh he carried with him you know and, and that's that's kind of where his his whole style uh der- derives from um he gave, he began writing music at the age of 12 uh, and his mother she she saw that he had a love for music and uh they scraped together as much money as they could and they got him they paid for some singing lessons for him um, you know, and after about three lessons, his teacher, she was so taken back by his real, his unique voice that everybody knows he has a really, you know, unique voice. And she told him to stop taking the lessons and that, uh, she didn't ever want him to deviate from his natural voice. Cause that's what drew people in when he would sing. So, right. That um, baritone register that he yeah. has. And we don't know if, if, if she just thought he was a really good singer or she thought, and we didn't want to change him or he was a really bad singer and she didn't want to take their money anymore. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but anyways, it, that's kind of the way that played out, you know, and religion that played, that played a huge part uh, and a huge role in his upbringing. Uh, his mother was a devout member of the, um, Pentecostal church and his brother, his older brother, Jack was actually, uh, committed to joining the priesthood. And unfortunately in 1944, Jack had died of a terrible sawmill accident. And, uh, you know, Johnny was a small boy and he, he actually witnessed that. And, uh, you know, Jack suffered for a week. You know, he he was gashed open. He suffered in the hospital for a week right. until he actually succumbed to his injuries. Um, and it, you know, he had, he had stated that he saw angels in his room. You know, and there was angels around him and angels in his room. So he, uh, you know, so Johnny had witnessed that in early yeah, age. All that had a huge impact on Johnny. Yeah, and then even even so, you know, imagine you're watching your older sibling die. You know, bleed to death and yeah. die and suffer for a week, and then then you got to go dig his grave, help dig his grave. Yeah, you know? I know. And so I can't even imagine how heavy that weighed on him. Um, and I think probably you you hear those those things, you know, his farming life and his religious beliefs and the reoccurring themes in his or re- reoccurring themes in his music, uh, along with his sadness, you know. So um, and, and he, just look at the character he puts on that he portrays. He's yeah. the man in black. Yeah. He wears all black. I'll tell you a funny story about that. And a lot of people may not know this. You know the reason why he wore all black? Um. He wrote a song about it. I've heard the song. No, it's, is there a different there's, reason? There's a song about it, but okay. the reason they wore all black is because that's the only shirt. Back then, they matched on stage, okay? Yeah. And that's the only color shirt that they all three had. 
Oh, so they no could kidding. match. Really? So if you yeah, if you look at a, if you go back and you look, uh, especially in the seventies, he wears a lot of white. He wears a lot of different colors. But uh, yeah, but the man in black, uh, the, the cover, Ring of Fire. He's in a white button up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so the man in black. Uh, there's a not trying to take anything away from from the mystique of it, but he wore black because that's the only color shirt they had that matched. And so that's the way they did. Uh, it. You ruined it for me. I know it's, it's sorry. ruined. Sorry. <laughs> so after graduation, uh, Cash had a brief stint working in an automotive uh, plant in Pontiac, Michigan, and uh, it kind of makes you wonder if that's where "One Piece at a Time" came from. The song that he wrote working in the right. working in the plant. So um, he didn't work there very long, and then uh, after that, that summer, he actually enlisted into the Air Force. So he's in the U.S. Air Force. Uh, and then he was sent to, uh, did he ever serve though? Yeah, he, no, he didn't. Well, yeah, he did. Okay. So in, in Lakeland, he, he got shit. That's why I was thinking he was a veteran. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. So, and I, I apologize. He, uh, he actually was sent to, uh, Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. And, uh, that's where he met his first wife, Vivian Libertero. And, So when he had, he had met her, he actually they had they had stationed him in Landsberg, Germany, West Germany, uh, and he was a radio in, intercept officer. Uh, and what he did was he kind of eavesdropped on the Soviets' uh, radio traffic. So he was always trying to pick what's going on. He's trying to eavesdrop and, and, and find secrets. And uh, he actually was the first American to find out that Joseph Stalin had been killed or Joseph Stalin had died. He had uh, he had intercepted that message, and so he it's kind of cool that he. He was the one that intercepted that. Um, while in Germany, um, that's where he really dug in and started uh, turning towards music, and his interest towards music uh, got more serious. Um, and uh, you know, he and a couple of his uh, Air Force buddies formed uh, the Landsberg Barbarians, a little band, a little group. They got together and they played live shows. Uh, and he he basically was teaching himself, you know, more about songwriting and how to play the guitar and playing in front of people. And uh, he even said that, uh, you know, we were terrible, uh, but when you get a couple of low and brow beers in you, it'll make you feel like you're great. So uh, and they'd go to these honky tonks and whip out their instruments and start playing until they got threw out or uh, or a big fist fight started. Yeah. So, so he was a, they, they, he was a wild man, even overseas. So um, when he uh, he he was discharged and he came back to the States and he settled down in Memphis uh, with Vivian in 1954 and uh he actually took a job as a an appliance salesman and uh you know on the side he pursued music uh and he met up with a couple of mechanics uh, marshall grant and luther perkins uh and these guys uh actually was the ones that would be would become the tennessee three you know it's you know johnny and these two guys um and in july summer was hot and so was rock and roll uh july 1954 Elvis had actually cut the first his first record at Sun Records with uh, producer Sam Phillips in Memphis, um, and you know, and it just kind of knocked everybody's socks off. Elvis was Elvis was a, a a phenomenon, you know. It was just a yeah. it was a new thing happening, and and and, and we had talked about you talked about his a little dangerous out there yeah. on the stage. He was a he was a sex figure man <laughs> yeah. back in the day. Yeah, the Elvis, what is it? Elvis's pelvis. Yeah, the pelvis. So. Um, but you know, it was like a wildfire and, and the music was changing and they were uh, actually scared to promote Elvis at first. Like, yeah. Uh, 
that he aired on television telling him he couldn't move the way he does. Yeah, they kept the cameras at his belly button up. They wouldn't go below the belt. The can't show the pelvis. Can't show the, the pelvis, power so. of the pelvis. So, you know, music was making that big transition to rock and roll, and Elvis was bringing it along, and you had guys, uh, you know, and Johnny Cash and his guys, they hounded, uh, you know, Sam Phillips. Uh, they wanted to get in and try to make a record. And, you know, after being so persistent and I guess Sam just wearing down, um, he let him come in and uh, he actually took a listen to him and uh, he gave him a shot and he was real quick to tell him that he he did like their sound. They were unique and had a good sound. But you got to sharpen your craft a little bit. Yeah, and he wasn't, come back. he wasn't crazy about the, you know, the gospel direction that they were going in. He wanted something original. Because well, the gospel was everything. That's yeah. all there was up until Elvis. You're right. That's, yeah. that's what everything was. And so everybody, I mean, it was kind of played out. He was trying to keep things fresh, yes. keep things new. Because if, if you wasn't doing the things where Elvis were doing, you, they did, it, that's, that was the direction that Sun Records was going in. So um, so uh, Cash did listen, and they left, and they worked on some things. And uh, that's when he wrote, Hey, Porter, if you watch Walk the Line, and you'll see the part where he goes in and, uh, what is he telling him? It's the last. If this is if you're dying yeah. dead in a ditch, and the last songs you the words you want to come out of your mouth, you're going to sing it. Are you going to sing that gospel song? Or are you going to sing something straight from the heart? And, uh, and of course, the movie it shows him. He starts playing Folsom Prison Blues, and uh, you know it's good for Hollywood, but that's not how it went down. They actually went back with uh, Hey Porter, uh, and then Cry Cry Cry. And then that's when they were signed, and uh, he, Sam Phillips, and Sun Records branded them Johnny Cash in the Tennessee Two. Um, and you know, Hey Porter was released in 1995, and then Cry 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 actually peaked at the charts on the Billboard at number 14. So um, he had several other hits in there, uh, top 10 hits, uh, So Doggone Lonesome, and then the the once mentioned Folsom Prison Blues. Um, the true fame arrived in 1956. And that true fame came when he released Walk the Line. Uh, he hit number one on the country music charts, um, and it sold two million copies. So can you imagine selling two million copies of a record back in 1956? No social media. I mean, nobody's pushing you. Uh, you've got to go from no. radio station to radio station. You can't station. promote yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, I mean, it's all self-promotion, but it's yeah. so, it, it was so... Um, uh, raw. It's just uh, yeah. in its earliest dates. Yeah, it was... It was primitive. Like, it's a primitive, primitive way it was, of It was a primitive way to get yourself out there, yeah. So, uh, so, but they did it, man. They got, you know, hit number one, and then he's got two million copies of that thing sold. Um, Part but, of it, Sun Records, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's such a big name Sam, back then. Yeah, Sam, being on the same record label as Elvis is that's yeah. huge. And you know, with Sun Records, you know, Sam hey, Phillips, they caught lightning in a bottle. Um, you know, the million dollar quartet. I mean, think about this. He had the number one biggest names in music on his label. His his label, Sun Records. Uh, you know, you got Elvis, you got Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis. And Carl Perkins. I mean, yeah. that's that is the four guys. There was nobody other than them, and they were all on that label. So it was yeah. pretty incredible. Um, you're looking in the 1960s. Uh, Cash had relocated into into uh, California. Um, he and he actually left Sun Records. Uh, Columbia. Columbia was a bigger conglomerate, and they gave him a better deal, and actually gave him a little bit more control of his music. And he left Sun Records. Um, and one of the things too, he saw. Elvis had left Sun Records, okay? And then, you know, Johnny and Elvis were two totally different styles of music. Right. But Jerry Lee Lewis was, they were pushing Jerry Lee Lewis really hard, okay? And Johnny's style is not Jerry Lee Lewis's style. 
Mm-mm. And so Johnny kind of saw that maybe as some writing on the wall that they were going to go in another direction. And, you know, Columbia came along and gave him a better opportunity uh, or gave him another opportunity to make more, to make more money, have more control when he left. Um, but when he did leave, um, you know, they made him a rock star. I mean, a super huge musical superstar. I mean, um, and with, with that fame came uh, 300 nights of touring, 300 nights in a year touring. It's, uh, you know, it's, you know, you're on the road 300 days out of a 365 day calendar year. So you're taking things to go to sleep. You're taking things to wake you up. Yeah. You're drinking a lot, partying a lot. I mean, hell, if you're hanging out with Elvis, you, you don't have, you ain't going to party. You don't got rest stops in Starbucks. No, sir. Yeah. So, and these guys were actually the first to tour. They were, they were the ones, the first ones to tour like that. So they are the true icon rock stars, you know, yeah. they, you know, and, I would love to be a fly on the wall on some of those trips. It would have been pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. Um, so with that trip, with everything happening, he also, that's the first time he toured with June. So when he started touring on the road like that, he was he was with June a good bit. Yeah. Um, of course, June was married to someone else, and he was as well. So he was still married to Vivian at the time. But with a schedule, uh, with a with a schedule heavy with performances and, you know, and he had all the pressures on the road and the, the drugs and alcohol started taking a toll on his family life. And unfortunately he did, you know, they divorced in uh, 1966 uh, from Vivian. They had actually divorced. Um, his life continued just to spiral out of control, man. He was a wild man. You know, he was cash was taking over and, and he was kicking ass and taking names while That's he was right. out there. Um, you know, and, at one point in Georgia, he was found by a police officer, and he pretty much was uh, he had almost overdosed when the cop had found him. So, uh, and then you know, even uh, years later, he would say, uh, you know, Johnny Cash would say, "I took all the drugs there are to take, and I've drank everything there is to drink." You know, so uh, he so he definitely he has done it. He did it all. So yeah, um, the the next best thing that ever happened for him was in 1968. As he married June Carter, uh, and uh, June pretty much saved John from cash. She she and it was, and I know it was a hard, tough battle because we deal with people with addictions. Uh, they they tend to uh, relapse, which he did several times, uh, and they they had a, you know, she was somebody that he needed in his life to to make him better and pull him away from the darkness you know and she so, was his savior yeah she was totally his savior um cool thing uh, they went on and uh he came up with a with the johnny cash show and that was a huge thing in the 70s the johnny cash show was huge and uh tv and stuff is that still pretty new at this point in time yeah or? i mean well they started i mean it was color tv then. okay so, yeah right. so it's just now we got this crazy music and color tv and yeah um you know it was a tv variety show and he had musicians all the way from bob dylan to louis armstrong so he was very diverse in the in the guests that he would bring on so uh and he also used that platform to talk about social injustices and social issues again i'd, I'd uh, earlier um he you know he he was a big he spoke on Vietnam because the Vietnam war was going at that time. Right. It was, I'm sorry. It was the late sixties, not seventies, late sixties. Um, and then, uh, you know, prison reform was a big thing for him. Prison reform was huge for him. Uh, and then he, he spoke again, you know, on the, the rights of native Americans, you know, and see what he could do to try to help those people. Um, and that in 1968, he got two Grammys for his, uh, live his, his record live at Folsom prison. So there's two Grammys for this record that nobody wanted him to make. Nobody wanted him to go in these jailhouses. 
but he used that prison reform. He's trying to give these guys something to look forward to, bring some 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 happiness into their life. And uh, pretty similar to how music brought happiness into his life when yeah. he was working out on the field. Yeah, exactly. So maybe he, maybe he thought he could do the same. Yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, and that makes perfect sense. You know, it, it, I can't think of a worse place you could be, but in prison. Yeah. You know, and you nothing to look forward Looking to. Looking at concrete every day. Yeah. So there's steel nothing, bars and concrete. Could you imagine Johnny Cash just rolling up in there and it's like we're gonna play a concert? That'd make my life. Yeah, <laughs> it'd make you want to do better and get out. I think. Yeah, it would me. So, um, in 1970, uh, Johnny and June had their had the birth of their son, John Carter Cash. Uh, so, so things were things were moving right along for those guys in their relationship. Um, you know, he he was in movies. Uh, he was in the movie The Gunfight with Kirk Douglas in 1970. He had published a bestseller, Man in Black, in 1975. Um, and again, he was elected to the Country Hall of Fame and not to, uh, Country Music Hall of Fame in 1980. Uh, so he's he's continually working on projects and he's working on himself to get better. Yep. Um, you know, 1985, he joined up with Willie Nelson, uh, Waylon Jennings, and Chris Christopherson, and they formed the Highwaymen, which is some of my favorite uh, the out the Outlaws music. And all this fame and success <clears throat> from an acoustic guitar, a five dollar guitar he bought in germany yeah yeah well i'm sure at that point in time he may have upgraded his gear i'm sure he upgraded it but um people in music nowadays get so caught up in gear and you know what's the latest greatest product i can buy but what kind of electronics can change me to sound some like something i'm really not yeah that that and yeah but um it's just straight raw yeah it was done on guitar yeah done on an acoustic guitar and um big giant bass just a drums right but um electric guitar came out sometime around then. They were some of the first to use electric guitars, right? Um, innovators. Yeah. But um, they're just true rock and roll yeah. before the distorted guitar was born. We're talking about gear. Let's talk about Johnny Cash's gear. What, with Johnny Cash, when he didn't have a drum for his guitar, what he slid in, what'd he do there? Yeah. Um, Johnny Cash actually slid a dollar bill in between his guitar strings to... Um, uh, replicate the sound of a snare drum because he couldn't afford one at the time. Uh, I've actually got my guitar here beside me. I'll give you a little rundown of how that goes. One second. <clears throat> so Johnny would slide his $1 bill in between his strings to replicate the sound of a snare drum. That's that classic Johnny Cash sound that you always hear. Yeah, sounds just like it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but um, all with the help of a of a one dollar bill. Yeah, so it just goes back to say, you don't need great gear to make great music. That's right, and that your musical capabilities are not bound by the gear that you own. That's a good point. That's a really good point. So we go back. Uh, we talk about uh, his time with the Highwaymen. They released three albums. Um, he, and they, you know, and they said Johnny was, was the, he was the one, he was the wildest one of the bunch, which I kind of think that's funny when Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings is involved and, and Johnny Cash is the wildest one of the bunch. It's pretty funny. Um, he went on to 1990, uh, recorded The Wanderer with U2. I mean, he's working with U2 at this point in 1990. Listen to that song last night. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, I mean, and he stayed busy till the very end. I mean, he just, he stayed, he just, he's always constantly working. This guy's was just working, working, working. Um, was it, was it at that point in time where, um, they, 
was it his daughters were skeptical of him working with uh no not yet okay not okay yet, so he hadn't got there but, it, but it's close it's Timeline's in the, it's in the 90s off. we're getting there okay i will say this a uh, little side note um and i won't say names to protect the innocent which i shouldn't care but i had an opportunity to see johnny cash Ugh. at cowboys in kennesaw georgia back in the 90s um probably early 90s i can't remember the day exactly so i had my ticket i was ready to go and by the way i'd saw jerry lee lewis there which was amazing and i saw merle haggard there which was amazing uh but i was fighting with my girlfriend that day and i was like i'm not going because so-and-so is gonna be mad and and i just don't want to hear it so take my ticket and sell it to somebody give it away i don't care and so he died, and I didn't get to see him. So, you know who you are out there. And I, don't, I, I don't know who you are out there. I'll never forgive you. And I hope Liam Neeson comes and breaks your kneecaps. With I hate a ball you. Bat. I hate you. So, <laughs> I will never forgive you. I don't know you. On my deathbed, if they say, if you're going to heaven, you got to call so-and-so and get it right with her. I'm going to be like, no, I'm not doing it. You may know me. I don't know you, <laughs> but I do hate your guts. <laughs> so, yeah, I... That was uh, that was painful, man. God, I just relived something very painful in my life. It's uh, damn it. <laughs> so we go. So working. You could have watched. You could have been there, man. I could have been there in the flesh. I could have been there, man. I could have been there. But you and tore we, up over a and stupid we, girl. Listen, and we knew the people that we could actually got back there to actually probably take a picture with them. Of course, we didn't have camera phones back then, but we took our digital cameras with us so we could post the it Polaroids. On, so we could t- post it on MySpace. But uh, so. You know, the 90s were kind of blowing up for him, too. It's at the end of his end of his life, but the 90s are exploding. You know, we're getting a whole new uh, a whole new group listening to Johnny Cash. He's got a whole new audience. And in 1992, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, and I'll tell you something about Johnny Cash and how badass he is. Punk groups don't cover country music artists. I mean, you don't they don't cover country music artists. So Johnny Cash, uh, he was covered many times by different punk bands, which was pretty pretty cool. So, um, you know, and then you go back to this is also when we first figured out we can make our guitar sound like a badass chainsaw out of hell. <laughs> this is true yeah. too. They used to um, early early recordings of distorted guitar. Some of the first ones they would actually uh, take their amplifiers, their their clean tone amplifiers, and uh, they would cut holes or cut slits in the speaker so it would give that uh distorted sound that real break up crunchy sound and that's how distortion was created so yeah and so going with that social distortion uh covered ring of fire so oh how's, really how's that? yeah yeah sure did oh yeah they played that on uh sirius xm lithium yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. we listened to that so um 1994 Rick Rubin, huge producer, worked with, you know, Nine Inch Nails, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Reggie's Machine. He's worked with everybody. And uh, he reaches out to Johnny. Uh, you know, Johnny's Johnny's health is not very good. Grunge is booming at this grunge time. Is, grunge is just taking off. It's, it's it, Again, it was a new wave of music. It took over. Um, just, it, it was uh, so he, he, you know, and Elvis of our time. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody knows that he's getting down to the, you know, to the end. And, uh, you know, they really want to make this record with him and, his kids were skeptical about him actually making a record with Ruben, uh, Rick Rubin, and they were saying that 
he really they don't want him to make a record with somebody that don't really appreciate yeah can appreciate right. him and his art and his you know didn't want him to stay he's kind of i guess kind of keeping him super busy at you know and they knew how you know poor his health was but but he did it man and, and they didn't um, want uh listeners to disrespect him and stuff like right. that and and give a uh you know diss on his name or just disrespect him so he gets with he gets with Ruben and they uh in nineteen ninety six they produce Unchained. So when you got Unchained, um, you know, it's 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 just phenomenal what what kind of work they did, you know. And then in nineteen ninety seven he wrote his second memoir. It was a Cash the Autobiography, which is which is great if you haven't read it. Uh, and if you got some time, read that. It's amazing. Um, you know, and again the nineties were just physically hard on him. He was hospitalized numerous times. Nineteen ninety eight he had pneumonia. Didn't think he was gonna survive that. Um at one point he actually was in a coma for twelve days. He was in a coma for twelve days. Because of his uh diabetes. Yeah, well it was they thought it was his diabetes. Oh, okay. But it's it was uh it was something else. He was mixed misdiagnosed. Okay. Um two thousand two he released American Four. Um uh, and this is uh, the man comes around. Um, it's got a mix of originals on it. So it's, it's a mix of originals and covers. Uh, he covered the Beatles, uh, Soundgarden, Rusty Cage, and then everybody's heard his version of Hurt. I actually did not know that, um, Rusty Cage was a Soundgarden yeah, song. Yeah, it's a Soundgarden song. I had no idea yeah. because I was, I was listening to that and I was like, man, if I was to cover a song, um, and make it like a punk rock version of that song, what would it be? Soundgarden. <laughs> no, but I was listening to Johnny Cash, Rusty Cage, yeah. and I was like, dude, I, you could easily make this a punk song. Yeah. Later on, I find out it's Soundgarden's yeah. song. I yeah. had no idea yeah, you should, you upon should listen listening to it. to it. No, I it, have. It, I have. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. Because it just gives a whole different, I mean, the way he changed things, like, you know, Hurt, once he, you know, Trent was so cool, and they let him cover that song, and it, when he made it, he covered it, and Trent's version of that song was uh, about a young man suffering from drug addiction and uh, and he was just having a tough time overcoming all these this darkness and oppression and drug addiction and Johnny redid the song and Johnny basically when he sung the song it's about a man who's accomplished so much in his life and he's come to the end he's he's about you know and, and when you you watch that video man uh and I and I'll go back to Tyler and I and <clears throat> Brittany we had went to Nashville a couple of about a month ago and we went into the Johnny Cash uh museum if, and if you have not been there if you've if been to Nashville uh man and you go golly it looks we, we it looks, actually got to meet the man in black yeah we got a picture yeah, we right got a here. picture with him it's uh, crazy how they do that but um if you think it's a little pricey and it looks small it's not really small man it goes so far back and, and it's so much better than the country music hall of fame Without it's a doubt. so much better I mean they have really real I mean, stuff that he wore on stage. Um, they have his Nobel Peace Prize. They've got a timeline of, of the things that he done. And it's amazing. And before you go into, uh, when you start getting to the end of it, and everybody knew, knew how much he was in love with June and how much June was in love with him. And they, they were basically each other's medicine and they kept each other alive. Uh, probably more so June keeping Johnny alive than him keeping her alive. But um you see a program from the funeral where she had passed away. And then beside that, after the funeral, he went home and he wrote her a poem. And it's the sweetest thing. And it's so heartfelt. And he wrote it immediately after he left the funeral. I took pictures of it. They have yet to read it. They have that poem 
handwritten his handwritten poem right there in in the museum. So as you're walking around the corner, you see the big red velvet chair, the throne, and then you can hear Hurt playing, and then you see the video uh, playing, and you just see his face, and he's just like, he's he's just at the end, and uh, man, I'm not gonna lie, it choked me. I was choked up about it. It kind of really it, it gives me cold chills yeah, to talk still about at it this today. Point, I get cold chills when I talk about it. So, but if you're ever in Nashville. Uh, go to the Johnny Cash Museum. It's uh, go it to is, the Johnny Cash Museum first because you get a coupon yeah, to, Johnny, to the Johnny Cash Johnny's Cafe. Ca- the Johnny Cash ca- Chicken Cafe. And I'm not taking is. shots at anybody or anything, but uh, I'm going to say Johnny was a better guitar picker than he is a fry cook. Let me just tell you, you want that fifteen dollars off because that that is that's an expensive <laughs> meal. Yeah. So, um, but again, you know, if you get to Nashville, go to the Johnny Cash Museum. It is well worth your money. It's just things you can see that uh, it's just, you know, if you're a fan of Johnny Cash, you really will enjoy it. You really will enjoy it. Um, so, you know, in May uh, 2002, June passed away. And then, uh, sadly, September 2003, Johnny uh, had complications to diabetes and he had passed away. So, um, he couldn't live without her. He had to have her, uh, which I think is just uh, a testament to both of the both of them and the love they had for each other. Um, for her, her to be able to endure and put up and 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 work with work through all those those dark times with Cash, to finally get Johnny uh, out of out of out of him and uh, and and have a pretty damn awesome life together. I forgot the quote. I don't know it word for word, but uh, after June had passed. He was still working on the record at the time, correct? Yes. Okay. It, he said that he had to have something to do because if he's not doing anything, he has no reason to no be reason here. To, yeah. That's his, which that means it. he's he's ready to go yeah, on. Yeah. There's no reason for him to be on earth. Yeah. Um. You know, so, so again, you know, Johnny, super, super decorated, uh, you know, as a musician, as a author, author, songwriter. Um, just a humanitarian, uh, a patriot, and uh, it, it's just uh, it's just an incredible person. And uh, every time his songs, his songs still sing to you, man. If you listen to them, you really listen to the words. They sing to you. Whatever you're going through, or whatever you got going on in your life, there's something that you can relate to in the words of his music. So it's just pure. Um, Except I want, for the. Uh crime part yeah it's not too pure on that so so i know one of the big things the big misconceptions that uh you know and some people uh, and i had this brought to my attention too and i wanted to address this it's not he carried this persona of this outlaw bad guy that was always in trouble with the law he actually was arrested seven times uh and it was not for shooting a man just to watch him die in reno (laughs) it was uh he had uh, several drug and alcohol convictions uh disorderly conduct and reckless driving he was actually arrested in El Paso. Uh, he had uh, 66 gram tabs of uh, dexedrine and uh, 475 tranquilizers on him when he was arrested. Uh, the, the the arresting officers was upset because they were hoping that he had heroin on him because at that time heroin was a big big mover. Uh, a lot of artists were using heroin, but he did not he did not have heroin on him. I mean, he's tranking himself. He might as well be yeah. taking heroin. Yeah, he actually had a uh, he had hit a bunch of valium in his body. Yeah, uh, to and then they dissolved the package that was in dissolved, oh. and so his body absorbed it. And for two days he was out. Like for two days he was oh just God. out of commission. And when he woke up, he was uh, 
he was disoriented and ranting and acting crazy. If you can imagine, I mean, imagine that would make you crazy. So some of the other funny things that, um, that he did that uh, there's kind of some stuff that I thought was kind of interesting. He almost wiped out the, the pot, the 40, he wiped out 49 of the 53 last California condors in population. And what happened was he had this old, old truck that he like partied in or whatever. And, uh, and of course as he was living in California and, he drove this truck and uh, he parked it in a field and the truck was hot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the tall grass <laughs> caught on fire, started a forest fire, and he killed 49 endangered species. Uh, or one one uh, one endangered species, he killed 49 of the 53 remaining. Yeah. He went to jail for that. And his, uh, his he retorted that uh, he did not care about your damn yellow buzzards. <laughs> uh, that was how much he felt about it. But, the birds did get a little revenge on him. Uh, he had an ostrich farm, and he disciplined the ostrich with a stick. If they didn't uh, do what they wanted him to do, uh, he would whack them with a stick. And uh, and it's been said that you know if you know anything about an ostrich, they're they're just a uh, a modern version of a velociraptor. Yeah. If you notice the feet of an ostrich or an emu, they have these big, huge like claws, like talons. talons. And uh, he whacked one of these ostriches, and it pissed him off, and it just reared up and kicked him in the stomach. Well, when it did, it ripped his stomach open. And he literally was holding his guts in with his hand and driving himself to the emergency room. So almost the man was almost killed by an ostrich. Mm-hmm. So um, another thing that I thought was cool was uh, he had met Muhammad Ali, and uh, Muhammad Ali had wrote him a poem to impress him, and uh, which was which was really cool that he even thought, thought of Johnny on that level. And, he uh, later found out that the poem was actually plagiarized. He'd copied it from somebody. So you got to think about Muhammad Ali. He's, uh, he's intimidated to to write Johnny Cash a poem for him to, uh, I guess, uh, just to read, just to, to make an impression, just to on make him. an impression on him. He he had to copy it from somebody. So it yeah. was kind of funny. Um, I'm sure folks know this. Um, June Carter actually was the one. June Carter Cash was the one that actually wrote Ring of Fire. Uh, she wrote it, and uh, Johnny had had a dream about uh, the mariachi band the night before. So he took what she had dreamed and the dream that he had about the, the horns playing, and that's where Ring of Fire came from. But she wrote, she actually wrote that song because when they were always out on the road together, they were both married to different people, and but they both were, I mean, when you know, you know. When you love somebody, you love them. Uh, and she knew she loved him, and he loved her back. And she wrote that song. Uh, for feeling the way she felt about being in love with him when she probably shouldn't be. Uh, so when you go back and listen to Ring of Fire, think about that from a woman's standpoint, singing it about the guy that she's in love with, but she's not supposed to be because she's married. Um, he was also known uh, as, oh, go back to an arrest story. This was a good one. Um, he actually was arrested in Starkville, Mississippi. He was drunk at two o'clock in the morning and he was picking random flowers out of somebody's front yard. So the police pulls up, he's drunk, he's picking flowers. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just picking these flowers. <laughs> and they're like, get your ass in this police car. So he got arrested for picking flowers at 2 a.m. drunk uh, in Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, and they his um, <clears throat> fine was uh, $36 and a night in jail. So if you ever get drunk in Starkville, Mississippi, don't <laughs> pick people's flowers. Um, picking, which, picking the flowers is probably the lesser of the two. But. Yeah. For sure. They rung them up for public indecency yeah. or intoxication. 
But the cool thing was, one of the cool things was in 2007, Starkville, Mississippi, uh, made it a day. It was, uh, they, uh, they have every year, uh, the Johnny Cash flower picking festival. So they, so oh, really? they kind of exonerated him that way and then honored him. Do they uh, still do it? Yeah. So they, well, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the COVID virus, but I'm but doing yeah, that one day. But that's a thing. Yeah. That's and, on my bucket yeah, list. Yeah, I know that would be super cool to do that. So, um, I'm a, I'm a manly man and. It's okay. Maybe I'll pick some flowers. It'll be all right. This guy, I mean, he's such a wild animal. You know, playing on the ground at Opry was a big deal. I mean, it was hard to get in there. And if yeah. you got in there, you were, you were, you know, you were the who's who. And, uh, of course, he was loaded one night drunk and probably on pills. And he didn't like the way the floodlights on the stage were shining in his face. And so he took his, <clears throat> excuse me, he took his mic stand and he started smashing all the lights on the stage. And they told him to get out that he was fired. He'd never play at the Opry again. They, yeah. they kicked him out. And Kurt's so, done stuff like that before him. Yeah. Flipped out because the lights are in his face. Yeah. And I, I mean, imagine it, if you're under an influence of something, those lights probably make it hard for you to function. Oh, probably. So he gets mad after he's fired from the Opry, he jumps in June's Cadillac and takes hauling, you know, he's hauling ass down the road, smashes it into a telephone, uh, a telephone pole and, um, literally breaks his nose and totals her car out. But, I'm pretty sure he didn't go to jail, so which is kind of it's kind of crazy. <laughs> he was also a jokester. Um, he was at a hotel, uh, and he released 500 chickens into this hotel uh, just because he wanted to. And uh, 100 on each floor. He had five floors, and he he released 100 chickens on each floor. So the people that worked there weren't weren't too happy about it. So um, he wrote all these great songs. Uh, that, one, that was before he even was was a big deal. Yeah. So they're like. He yeah. was this guy, you know. Yeah, he was he was a man. He was wild. He was so wild. Um, one of the other things, uh, you know, he he wrote some great songs. There's so many memorable songs that he wrote. There's a song that some of you guys may not know. He wrote a song called "Chicken in Black," and uh, that's a real I've story. Yet to hear that song, "Chicken in Black." I've, I haven't heard it either. I got to look it up. But uh, he wrote this song. It's such a ridiculous song about a man's a musician's brain getting stuck into a chicken. And uh, he went on stage. He wore a powder blue cape and a bright yellow jumpsuit. And he did that so he could get out of his contract. Yeah. And it worked. They let him out of his contract. <laughs> so so everybody uh, check out uh, Chicken in Black. It's, I, it, I, don't, I haven't heard it, but um, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I wish we could all just listen to it together. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, I know. Me too. These damn copyright laws, you can't do. We're not trying to. Anyways, don't get me started on that. I'll start, <laughs> start bitching and won't stop. Um, so you got all these different things that goes on, man. It's uh, this man. He he just had so many interesting things going on. Um, you know, in, in 2010, I mean, I mean, he still lives on. You know, 2010, uh, the Rolling Stones uh, named him one of the greatest musicians of all time at number 31 on the list. I'm pretty sure I could bump him up over quite a few uh, if I could. Um, and well, 2007, I go back, you know, he's already been dead for four years and, uh, they released God's going to cut you down. Uh, there's a, such a powerful song, man. The message in it, it's such a powerful song. Uh, actually Marilyn Manson just redid it. So check that out too. That's pretty awesome. His, his he version did? of it. Yeah. How recent is that? It's pretty recent. So it's, it's, mm. it's pretty awesome. Um, you Marilyn know, Manson has got some good covers. Yeah. Marilyn Manson. I, I'm a big fan of Marilyn Manson too. So, um, so there it is, man. You know, Johnny Cash in a nutshell. And I, there's so many things that I probably could have talked about that I left out. 
Um, you know, um, he was a huge, huge, huge friend of Billy Graham, uh, Reverend Billy Graham. Uh, they, they communicated a, a great deal back and forth, uh, you know, and, um, uh, he, he, he had a lot of bad people in his life that, that, that he did a lot of bad things with, but he also had a lot of good people in his life and, uh, and it helped him, you know, work through some of those, those dark times in his life. And I think what, if it wasn't for those people, he probably wouldn't have lasted very long. I mean, he, he was living a few lives in that one body uh, yeah. before he got with June. And then even when he was with June, he still struggled with addiction and substance abuse. It's hard to have but, a good head on your shoulders when you have money and opportunities. And nobody tells you no. Yeah, and there's you know? nobody there to um, father you in a sense. Yeah. To tell you what's wrong and what's right and when to stop. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean huge fan of this guy and, and I always will be. And, and I think one of my, one of my jobs as a parent was to make sure that my children, uh, that I, that I raised them my best ability. And if you don't teach your kids about Johnny Cash, you're doing them an injustice. Agreed. So, so Tyler's a big fan. Even Zoe, she's seven. And, uh, she, I remember a, a long time ago, she was in the car and I was playing Johnny Cash and someone said, uh, why don't you change that? Not everybody likes Johnny Cash. And then and my child at that time was probably two. <laughs> she said, yes, they do. Yeah, they do. And I was like, that's my girl. So that's my girl. So, um, there's, there's nothing I enjoy more than, um, just taking a ride early in the morning when the sun's still coming up and just listening to Johnny Cash. Like if you got a road trip for the day, sun's just coming up and, um, the views we have here in Georgia is just beautiful. Open fields and mountain ranges. There's nothing the I Appalachian enjoy more. mountains, man. Yeah, nothing I enjoy more than just listening to Johnny Cash. And I hate country music with a passion. And I have a lot of respect for Johnny Cash. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple of things, too, that I left out, man. I, I, I hate it that I left these out. But I, just, I got to add them in because these were interesting things to me that I thought, you know, and we're did, again, we're talking about Cash. We're talking about, you know. The man in black. We're talking about not Johnny. We're talking about Cash, and, and it so, doesn't matter what we sit here and say. It doesn't do him justice. He, um, if you saw in the movie, um, you know, walk the line where he crashes a tractor in the, he crashes a, into the lake. That really happened, but he didn't get in a fight with his dad and crash it in the lake. He actually was about to go to rehab, mm. and he went on a bender before he went into rehab. I'm really ashamed to say this. I've never watched I Walk the Line. Oh, you should watch it. It's, it's good. It's actually good. It's a good movie. There's a, there's a lot of you know manipula- Hollywood mani- manipulation. Uh, As with everything, things. though. But uh, but it's it's still a good movie. And yeah. I think Walking Phoenix did an excellent job uh, portraying Johnny Cash. He's, He's a great, great actor. He is. Um, and then he actually had a camper that he named Jesse James. And when he wanted to take a break and escape from life, he would take his little camper off and wherever the wilderness. Him and Jesse James would just take a trip, huh? Yeah. Him and Jesse James, the camper, and he would go on a two, three, four day amphetamine benders. That's what he did. Like he didn't, he didn't go take some shit and chill out. He went and took some amphetamines and was bouncing off this little camper trailer. Uh, what's the difference between methamphetamines and amphetamines? Ah, uh, they're in stimulant, both. Both They're stimulants. stimulants. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Um, so Johnny then, was powdering that nose quite well, often. Well, I think it's in a pill form. I wouldn't, okay. doubt, I wouldn't doubt he wasn't doing that too. Yeah. So, uh, but um, you know, sugar. And in the in the last thing that I thought was kind of funny was he was drunk, been at, or he was he was under the influence, and he'd been going all day. And at four o'clock in the morning, he decided he wants some coffee, and he was in Florida. 
And uh, so he gets on the tour bus and takes off, and he backs it right into the swimming pool of the hotel he's staying at. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. so you and then it's kind of funny you think about Johnny Cash actually backing a, a tour bus into a uh, you know into a swimming pool, uh, but yeah, public pool. And you think about Oasis, which is another big band that I love a whole lot. One of their um, oh yeah, that, one of their album covers has got a, a Bentley in a swimming. I believe it's uh, a Bentley. It's in a swimming pool. What's the album? Is it? Uh, it's not definitely maybe. No, God dang it! When is it? We're gonna get crucified yeah, for this. Yeah, I know. I know. Hold on, I'm, I'm gonna retreat. I can't I'm gonna retreat. But I'll, but all I know is they put a car in a pool. I wonder how many rock stars have put 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 vehicles in swimming pools. No telling. Uh, be here now. Be here now. Yes. Yeah, sorry, Oasis fans. I gotta touch up on my Oasis. I'm, a, I'm ashamed. I'm gonna go get myself seven lashes across the back with a belt. Buckle. I'm gonna go buy a 335 and. Jam out to some Oasis. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. I hope we did it some justice. We, we, you know, again, there's so many different things we could talk about with Johnny Cash. We kind of wanted to give you some different things to, to listen to and a different way to look at him. And, uh, and again, I hope you appreciated it. Right. Go to the website, www.cigarstoreidiot.com. Buy some merchandise, man. Let us sell you some shit. We got some. <laughs> And it's really cool. We got so, plenty of shit. Yeah, we do. And, uh, you know. Boxes you know, stacked to the ceiling. I know. Either either we're going to sell them or they're going to taste good with mustard. That's what I'm about to say. Or if our power gets cut off, we're going to use a fire to stay warm. Yeah, go buy some merch so uh, we don't have to eat uh, cotton. <laughs> like, eat some, like, like Johnny in the fields. Yeah. Johnny used to munch on cotton. Yeah. God dang. How do you do that? <laughs> That would I'm I'm choking to death thinking about it. So yeah. all right. Everybody have a good evening. We appreciate you being here. Y'all take care.